Dan Dickow here on the ISO, the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. It's a big week. It is NBA Draft Week 2022. The draft is on Thursday, the 23rd. You will have lots of coverage on Gonzaga Nation SI. A couple podcasts and shows with myself as well as our journalists, Cole Forsman and Asher Ali. Uh, they will also be writing some stories, some profiles on Holmgren Andrew Nemhart, where they may project at and then where they ultimately land on Thursday. But the this show, this episode is going to focus a little bit on anybody with a connection to the state of Washington that expects and or plans to hear their name in the NBA draft. First one, obviously, that I think their name will be called uh, Gonzaga Bulldog. Chet Holmgren, originally from Minnesota. He's a one and done at Gonzaga, as you probably are well aware of. Uh, and it was expected that that was going to be the case. It was expected when he committed to Gonzaga, it was a one and done. And he was probably going to be a top three pick in the NBA draft. Well, his freshman year didn't disappoint in regards to his production, helping Gonzaga back to a deep NCAA tournament run to the Sweet 16. Hoping for a national title, but it didn't work out that way. He solidified himself in, in analysts' eyes as a top three pick. I personally don't think he's going to fall below two. I think that uh, the Magic selecting at one uh, have an unbelievably difficult decision to make. I think Jabari Smith has a chance to be a really good player. I do think Holmgren will have a better career than Holmgren or excuse me, than Smith. But some people are on the fence about Holmgren due to his much talked about lack of strength. Um, there was a tremendous article in, on SI.com today by Greg Bishop. Um, go check it out in regards to talking about the, the uniqueness of his athleticism. And so many times people condition or think of athleticism to be strictly how strong you are, how high you can jump, how straight you can, or how quickly you can run athleticism combines everything it combines those your hand-eye coordination it combines your agility your ability to change speeds change directions it, it it also includes your ability to land i think athleticism also includes your ability to stay away from injury and this article written by greg bishop on si.com really took a deep dive into some of the training that he's been doing uh, in Santa Barbara at what's called the P3 Institute, which a lot of guys train at before uh, the, the draft day. And they're talking about how he is such a good athlete that um, it's, it would be hard uh, to not go with him. Um, and so in, in looking at that, you know, Orlando's got a difficult decision because, like I said, Smith has got a lot of potential, but... Holmgren has question marks that a lot of people are going to ask about. I think it might take a, a, a deep into his rookie year or second year for Holmgren to really get comfortable and, and get impact, become impactful. Now, I think he is a multiple time all-star, um, but so many fans, uh, you know, don't understand the process of the draft, don't understand the process of building a roster, don't understand the process that it takes to be a good player. All indications that I've, seen and heard for about Holmgren, whether it's watching him at practice, the games at Gonzaga, talking to the staff, he works as hard as anybody. 
Uh, he puts in the time, he puts in the effort, he's diligent, he's dedicated, and he will be a great pro. So um, I think he's going to go number two, because I just think there's something about everything that I've read that, you know, the the magic have locked in on Smith at one, which also then helps alleviate a little bit of pressure by being that number one pick for Chet Holmgren. He's also going to be going to an organization in the Thunder that uh, have always done a good job of, of stockpiling talent for when the time was right to strike in the draft. They did it with Durant, Harden, and Westbrook, uh, which resulted in a trip to the NBA Finals. They're now, they've got three first-round draft picks this year. So it'll be interesting to see if he's the headliner of that group. Um, next art, next player um, with ties to the state of Washington, Paulo Bancaro, O'Day High School, played at Duke. Um, I think he's the third best prospect in the draft. I think he's the most NBA ready of my top three being Smith, Holmgren and Ben Carroll. I think he's the most ready. I think he will be a multiple time all-star. I think he will be uh, rookie of the year, but a lot of people have slidden Jaden Ivy of Purdue up into that three spot and dropped Ban Carroll down to the fourth. I, I don't see it. Uh, I, I think Ivy's really good, but I think Ban Carroll is just that good. Uh, he was an um, unbelievable player in the state of Washington. Uh, he almost went to either Gonzaga or University of Washington, which were in his final grouping of schools before ultimately deciding to play for Coach K in his last year at Duke, which was a good decision. I mean, how can you say no to Duke? Um, but uh, again, uh, it's a cool connection to the state of Washington for Paolo Bancaro to be a probable top three pick. So there you have the two high lottery picks that will be in the green room with connections to the state of Washington. The state of Washington has two other prospects that have been invited to the what's called the NBA green room. It's essentially where if, if you know you're going to be picked in the top 20 picks or so, uh, you're uh, a definite first round pick. There's almost been consensus by NBA staffs uh, that you will be uh, gone before the end of the first round. A lot of times you will be invited to the green room. Uh, I believe there's 23 players this year that are invited to the green room. So there's, there's a pretty good consensus of who those top 23 players are. Um, but the two with connections to the state of Washington, um, I, I think have both have their potential best basketball ahead of them. I, I think they're both, I don't want to call them projects because I don't think that is the case. I think they're guys that uh, are hard workers. When I've talked to a couple different play trainers and coaches around the state of Washington, who either worked with them, coached against them, uh, and then track their progress along the years. But it would be Tari Eason as well as Marjan Bochamp. So both these guys are, are taking different routes uh, to the NBA. We'll start with Tari Eason. Um, you know, he played at uh, Federal Way behind, not behind, but alongside Jalen McDaniels for quite some time. Also then played uh, at Garfield for Brandon Roy. But uh, he's a guy that always had to play out of position considering what his position will be in the pros. So uh, that's one of my problems that, that I always have with youth basketball coaches. You got a tall kid, an athletic kid, you put him in the post. Well, um, Tari Eason had to play the four um, and sometimes the five growing up and in high school. And it kind of limited some of uh, maybe his opportunities for growth early in his career. 
But because of how he works, because of his high motor, because of what I've heard of his his diligence to to try to get better, um, he's closing that gap on his perimeter and wing skills in a hurry. Now, I don't think he's he's a knockdown shooter by any stretch, but his ball handling has gotten better. His decision making has gotten better. Um, He's showing that, um, you know, with the proper attention to focus and detail and fundamental work, um, he, he can he can be a wing at the NBA level. Uh, the things that he's got going right now, he's a terrific athlete. He's a great defender who really prides himself on it. He can score and transition extremely well. Um, and I think he can also uh, really have room for growth in how he learns the game. Again, he'll learn the game as a four, as an interior player. Now he's learning it from the wing spot. So um, the, the word that I've, I've heard talked about him is willing learner willing listener. And that's a huge thing. So uh, because he's got the length, he's got the athleticism. Uh, he's not unbelievably strong at this point in time, but his frame kind of uh, shows uh, the ability that he's going to be a bigger, stronger athlete later on than he is right now. So um, seeing him uh, kind of projected anywhere from about the 15 to the 24 mark. Um, so that's really cool to see. He started his career at the, at Cincinnati university, uh, then transferred to LSU, where he had a great start, kind of under the radar. He just blew up early in the season and, and at the start of the SEC play. Struggled a little bit down the stretch, but I think a lot of that had to do with the team's uh, scouting reports, really kind of focusing in on taking away some of his strengths, getting back in transition, walling him up, not giving him free line drives and transition to the rim, and then understanding like, hey, he's a work in progress shooting the ball. Um, let's make him score in the half court. So those things I, I think he works on. I think he's going to have a nice pro career. Um, it's cool to see a kid from the state of Washington with that opportunity. So best of luck to him. Uh, next player from the state of Washington bounced around a little bit, uh, to say the least. Uh, he's a kid who grew up in Yakima, Marjan Beauchamp. Uh, but before high school, he decided to move uh, to Seattle and he was going to play for or he did play for uh, Brandon Roy as a freshman. So started it at Nathan Hale, transferred to Garfield, transferred to Beach. After that, he transferred to a one of these academy-like prep schools that was going to prepare him for it, it, the NBA draft. Well, this uh, academy slash school didn't work out, kind of left him uh, with where to go, where to play, what to do. Uh, ended up going back to Yakima, playing for Yakima Valley Community College, where he put up some monster numbers. And the NWAC's a good junior college league. I don't think the athleticism uh, is off the charts, but there's some really good players. There's some tremendous coaches in the NWAC. Uh, but he put up some big numbers and had to start searching for his next opportunity. Uh, there wasn't a lot of Division One interest for whatever reason it is. I don't know if it was grades. I don't know if it was um, – kind of the background information that a lot of schools will do on players such as the NBA does, but there wasn't a ton of interest. Um, and he decided uh, with an invite to go play for the G league ignite for a season. And the G league ignite is essentially um, you're looking at your col college eligible players. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. That don't want to go to college. They essentially want to jump start their professional career. Um, and, and learn 
how it is to be a pro. Um, the G League Ignite team is essentially run by the NBA. It's coached by a number of guys that used to play and or coach in the NBA. And so they're doing their best uh, impersonation of how an NBA franchise runs in regards to player development, uh, game and practice prep, scouting, film work. Uh, so it's essentially immersing yourself in an NBA experience uh, to try to put yourself in the best foot forward. Um, and so he, it looks like he took this opportunity, ran with it, played extremely well throughout the course of the season, uh, improved on, on, on some things that were necessary, but really um, was able to kind of put together a consistent body of work in showing NBA scouts what he could do. Also put together a consistent body of work in regards to his effort on the floor and, and that some of the, the perceived uh, notions that may have been incorrect or may have been correct, I don't know, um, were, were not necessary to look at. Because when you read some articles on him over the last couple of weeks and months leading up to the draft, you know, he did bounce around a little bit, but he is uh, a high potential player that is just looking for an opportunity. And uh, in, in I think in reading some of these articles, I think he's ready to make the most of it. I, I hate to say that some guys going into this draft process are premium donnas, but when you read about him, uh, he sounds very appreciative. He sounds very understanding of where his opportunities are lying. It sounds like he's ready to make the most of it. But now when you look at his his game, you know, he's he's a long, wiry wing. I think he's got good ball handling skills. I think his jump shot uh, is solid. I don't think he has the look of being a guy who is going to be a knockdown shooter at any point in time. Um, but I think he's going to be a good shooter. Um, I think, you know, he gets out in transition. He can finish because of his length, his athleticism. Uh, I think that, you know, he's got the ability um, to play out of pick and rolls is what I've seen. Um, I don't know if he's got the ability to kind of be a, a wide pin down guy, kind of, you know, find open areas and just be a sniper coming off of screens and stuff. But um, that will be determined. Um, you know, I think he's got the chance to be a, a good, really good defender with that length, his wiry uh, build. You know, many times you, you look at that build and you kind of look at who in the NBA is similar to that. Uh, I don't want to go so far as to say he was be in Andrew Wiggins because Andrew Wiggins was the number one pick in the NBA draft. He's been phenomenal. Uh, or an Andre Iguodala, who's a, uh, been a multiple time all-star. But he's got that similar kind of build, that similar kind of body where he's long, he's wiry, he's athletic. He can kind of really sneak up on you and, and do some things um, with his athleticism. But all in all, it's a tremendous story. Wish him nothing but the best of luck. So four players from the state of Washington with some great ties uh, to this 2022 NBA draft. So I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have lots of coverage on Gonzaga Nation SI, whether it's uh, some articles up or some podcasts and shows. Check us out. So for the ISO, I'm Dan Dickow.